0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for the
1: broken. Different areas of our world have always suffered, and, and to be a Christian, it can cost you something. For our friends who live on the other side of this globe, to be a Christian could cost you literally your head. We've seen that. In recent history, where you have Christians lined up on the beach as their heads are removed from their body, why? Because they won't renounce Jesus.
0: What are you willing to die for? There's often been brave men and women willing to stand up for their beliefs throughout history. There have been martyrs throughout the ages that have been willing to die the most horrific deaths for their faith in Jesus. In today's message, Pastor James teaches that during the Great Tribulation, there will be a great worldwide hatred for all who proclaim the name of Jesus. Can you imagine living in a world where your faith in Christ will literally cost you your head? Now here's Pastor James in the book of Revelation chapter 13, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
1: Regardless of what it is, John's noticing. He's like, man, it looks like one of those things got wounded pretty badly. And in fact, most people believe that he dies. And what? And he comes back alive. Sounds like a good counterfeit, right? Because that's what Satan does. Of course, he got wounded. But the fatal wound was healed, miraculously, maybe even three days later. We don't know. It doesn't say, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was three days later. And the whole world marvels. The whole world, it says, the whole world marveled at this miracle and followed the beast in awe. This is the Antichrist. He's walking around like he's Jesus. And the world is like, here's this guy. Here's the guy everybody's been looking for. Oh, he finally did show up. He didn't, he didn't look anything like those Christians were saying he was going to be like. No, this is the one we've been waiting for. For all these years, here he is. And look, he even died and came back alive. It's a miracle. It's amazing. Why would we not follow this guy? So they're following him. And then it goes on to even say that, verse 4 says, they worship the dragon for giving the beast such power, and they worship the beast. Is there anyone as great as the beast? They exclaimed, who is able to fight against him? So this is like, this is what we do. We worship God. Why do we worship God? We worship God because, well, we love God because God first loved us. And God sent his only son to die on the cross for us. And we worship Jesus because he's the son of God. But the church is gone. People are still getting saved. And this false messiah is what I'll call him, the Antichrist. He shows up on the scene and everybody's like, oh, here he is. Here he is. In fact, you know what we're going to do? We're going to worship, you're going to worship Satan? Yeah. Well, why? Well, because he's God, right? He's all powerful, right? He's in control, right? That's the deception. That's the deception. He's not even on the same level as God. But he's created this illusion that he's God, and it's what he's always wanted. It's what Satan has always wanted. The one thing, what he, he, he got tired of singing the same song over and over and over again. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And he's like, I want people to sing that for me. And that's what got kicked him out of heaven, got him kicked out of heaven. Now, this is, this is what he's experiencing. People are actually worshiping Satan, and they're worshiping the Antichrist, And they're singing his praises, and they're like, who can come against him? Who's going to stop him? Who can stop them? This is a weird, and like, the church gets raptured up, but this whole new church starts up during the tribulation times. And it's not like this weird kind of, you know, I'm a kid of the 80s, you know, so like there's this whole satanic panic thing that happened, I guess, when I was a kid. I don't remember any of it, but... uh, But, you know, there's this thing of like Satan worshipers and all that stuff. It's not like that, okay? So you can maybe dismiss some of that stuff or Anton LaVey's, you know, and all that good stuff or the the Church of Satan in San Francisco. It's all black and everything like that. We're not talking about like that, but this is like logical, reasonable kind of people who are like, yep, we're going to worship, we're going to worship him we're going to worship this guy. And it's not like Satan's walking around, you know, cloven-footed with the red with the tail and the pitchfork and stuff like that demanding they, we don't even know if they even see Satan visually. I mean, there's no indication. They certainly see the antichrist and they're like, "Listen, whatever's giving you your power and authority, whoever your father is, we want to worship him." That's quite the quite the change from what we do, you know, and what we know as, you know, as believers. But there's this great deception. Verse 5, it says, the beast was allowed to speak great blasphemies against God. And he was given authority to do what he wanted for 42 months. It's you know, that's, that's the time period that we're, we're dealing with here, these three and a half years. And he spoke terrible words of blasphemy against God. Now, you can note that, I mean, this is the same, uh, you know, adjective or descriptive term that's used for this guy. Uh, what What spews out of his mouth, what is consuming his heart is hatred towards God, OK? He's got it written all over him. And everything that comes out of his mouth is anti-God, anti-God, anti-God. And you would think, because we get kind of spoiled, especially within our Western world, like, we're looking at this as if like, you know, we're around or this is happening, right? And we would be thinking, I would say 10 years ago, we'd be like, no way. No way. That much hatred towards God. And maybe we're seeing glimpses of that. And it seems like a day, every day we're getting closer to where it's like the, the rhetoric for an anti-God message certainly is getting louder and louder. Anti-God, anti, anti-church, anti, you know, all this stuff, anti-Christian. It's, it's supposed to happen. It's supposed to happen. To where one day you'll get to this, where this guy stands on a platform in front of probably millions and millions of people and says, hey. And he starts talking all this garbage and trash about God. And people are like, amen, amen. They are worshiping him, and they're, they're fully on board with everything that he says. And everything that he says is against God, slandering his name. And all who live in heaven, that's you and I, Okay, because we believe that this rapture thing will happen at the start of the tribulation. Could be wrong on that. I really think that that's how it is. Maybe mid-trib, regardless, we'll be in heaven, and this dude is going to be talking garbage and junk about you. There you go. So what should your response be? Who cares? Let them talk, right? Now, don't talk about my God. That is offensive to me. Don't do that. I don't like that. I don't like that. You're going to talk trash about me being a Christian. That's fine. Whatever. I don't care. Um, This guy is going to be like, yeah, all these Christians that are living on the earth right now, and even those ones who have died, even those ones that we have beheaded, because that's going to be going on. He's talking, he's just talking trash about everybody, everybody who's associated with God. And or who are his temple is what the rest of that verse says in, in uh, verse 6. It says in 7, um, and the beast was allowed to wage war against God's holy people to overcome them. And he was given authority to rule over every tribe and people, language, and nation. So this is crazy. So he's allowed to wage war against God's holy people because on this planet, people will still be getting saved. And so there will be uh, Christians on this planet, but they will be the key target for this guy. And the Lord will allow this, this war to rage. And that could be a hard pill to swallow, right? Because you're like, but God. <laughs> you know, you got all these evangelists, these 144,000 evangelists that are running around. There is no indication that these dudes are stopping. Even with the Antichrist maintaining a huge platform and all this stuff and spewing threats towards them, the indication is that these guys are just still going for it. And people are receiving that message and people are still getting saved. And it will cost them in the end. It will cost them their lives. But this shouldn't surprise us because we see this today. We've seen this all throughout time. At certain moments in, throughout history, it is always it has been costly to be a Christian for certain individuals. When John was receiving this vision, to be a Christian, it could cost you your life. Whether it was Nero, who was a psychotic man, uh, or it was Domitian, who I believe was ruling at the time when uh, when John was recording this revelation, they hated Christians. They hated, and if you if you refuse to bow your knee to Nero and say, Nero or Caesar is Lord, which is a blasphemous thing to say. If you refuse to do that, well, then you could lose your life in various ways. They, were, they got very creative on how they killed Christians. All throughout time, that has been true. That has been true. So it's not like this is some sort of like surprise for humanity, Different areas of our world have always suffered. And and to be a Christian, it can cost you something. For our friends who live on the other side of this globe, to be a Christian could cost you literally your head. We've seen that in recent history, where you have Christians lined up on the beach as their heads are removed from their body. Why? Because they won't renounce Jesus. It's been happening for years and years and years and years. It will intensify in the end, though. It will certainly intensify in the end. But this guy's going to wage war against the believers that are, that are here. Uh, and it's, it goes on to say that, you know, he'll have authority over every tribe, every people, every nation, uh, every language. I mean, he'll have global dominance. Again, this new world order thing somebody's going to get this brilliant idea of like, why are we all disunified? Shouldn't we just all come together and rule this one planet that we live on collectively, right? Well, okay, so if we're going to do that, then we should probably establish some sort of like one world currency, because that makes sense. That would make governing a whole lot easier. Well, surprise, surprise. We seem to be fast-tracking that thing, (laughs) right? It's like, one world currency, that's always been like a weird like sci-fi kind of thing of like, what would that be? It's the euro. It's the euro. The euro is the one world currency. I heard that so many times. I'm like, I don't think that's it. I don't, that, that wouldn't make sense. But digital currency, well, that makes a whole lot of sense. That makes a whole lot of sense. Where have all our coins gone? Where have our coins gone? Is there really a coin shor- shortage? Because I got people in banks that are telling me there's no coin shortage. Why does anybody want my cash? I think it's just progressively moving in a direction of like, you know, and listen, one world currency and all this stuff. I I don't ever have cash on me. Okay, I don't ever. So if you want to rob me, go find somebody else. Um, I don't have a problem. It's all digital. So I'm like, like, look, digital is convenient. Um, Venmo, it's a beautiful thing. It's a great thing. I love it. Um, But... I mean, this is all just playing into, into effect. It's all just progressive steps towards this one thing that's going to happen. But you've got this guy who's ruling over the world. I mean, everybody, like, I mean, he's got a government, uh, you know, these 10. These ten heads and the, you know, the seven hills, that's always a representation of Rome. So, this is like probably the revived Roman Empire, and this guy gets to rule over this thing, and the world is is seeking to have what they've desired for so long, and that's just this um, utopia. Like, we all come together, we'll, you know, we'll all just follow the same rules and and all the stuff, and it'll be beautiful and it'll be great. it's, but it, 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 won't it's crack, it won't be all it's cracked, it won't be all as cracked up to be. You just keep reading the book of Revelation, you'll see that even that doesn't even last. But he's given authority over all this stuff, okay? And it says, all the people, verse 8, all the people who belong to this world worship the beast. <laughs> all the people who belong to the world, not all the people that belong to God, it's all the people that belong to the world worshiped the beast, they are the ones whose names were not written in the book of life, which belongs to the lamb who was killed or who was slain, that's Jesus, before the world was made. So that's, that's fascinating. There's a book that was written about you, at least mentions you, before any of this stuff even existed. How, like, that should make you feel pretty nice, pretty good. That before you even were a thought in anybody's brain great, 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 great grandparents even brain, all that stuff. Before anything was even made, God has a book. And he wrote down a bunch of names in that book. Now, did he write down everybody's name? I think so. Does that mean everybody goes to heaven? Not at all. Not at all. Why? Because what? Salvation is a free gift from God, but it's a free gift that has to be received from the individual. So I know, there's, I know there's people out there that say like, well, no, everybody basically just goes to heaven because we, don't, we can't fathom, we can't see how God would be so cruel as to send people to hell. And I say, um, excuse me, I've read the Bible. God doesn't send anybody to hell. He sends a group of people to hell, that's for sure. And his name is Satan, and it's a third of the hosts of heaven that rebelled against him. The lake of fire was created for them. If people end up in that thing, it's because they chose to go there. Just got to read your Bibles. God, God doesn't wish for anybody to perish. He doesn't wish for anybody. That's why he would send his son to die on the cross for us so that people would turn to him so that people would receive this free gift of salvation. I find it so comforting that at the very beginning, before anything ever was, when you had God in this perfect community. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Perfect. Perfect. No sin. No need for us at all. They say, you know what? Let's write a book. Let's write a book. And we're going to fill it with a bunch of people's names. And when we get to this point in time, you know, a few chapters later on, what I believe, along with, you know, other pastors, is that If there were any revisions to that book, it was because people chose not to accept the free gift of salvation. So if anything happened in that book, it was names being erased out of it because they didn't want to be in it, because they didn't want to be in it, which is sad. But you have to march over the body of Jesus in order to get to hell. I mean, that's the reality. That's the reality of it. But there's this book of life, and it's got names written in it. And what I, man, I just, I don't know if it's alphabetical or what, but geez, there's Grizzle, and there's James Grizzle, and I'm saying, Thank you, Jesus. You took a chance on me before I even existed. Thank you so much. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm not worried about losing my salvation, I'm not worried about that at all. I just want to stay connected to him. My name's written down in that, and I'm like, Lord, use a Sharpie. Uh, just, yeah, I hope that was a Sharpie when you wrote my name in there. Um, let's just keep it like that. Keep me from being a knucklehead and, uh, I'll, 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 see you at the finish line. See you at the finish line. Okay. It's comforting to me. I hope it's comforting for you as well. If you're like, I don't know if my name's written in there. Um, well, I mean, or if you've got family members that are like, I don't know if my name's written in there. You say, you know what? Let me tell you, let me tell you how you can know for sure. There's this guy, his name's Jesus. He came to this earth, lived a perfect life, and died on the cross for your sins, so that your name would be in that book, so you can be sure of it, so you can finish out the rest of this life, the rest of this race, with confidence, because Christians need more confidence, of what he has done. I'm not confident in my ability to keep my name in a book. OK? That, that's not good. No, Jesus has done all the work for me, and I'm just, I'm just holding on. And I'm just enjoying the ride, okay? And that's, that's, that's what you can do. You can walk people through just a beautiful gospel message of like, man, Jesus has done it all. He did it all. You just got to accept it. It's a free gift. You just got to take it. Goes on to say, before we get into this false prophet, it says, anyone who's willing to hear, if you got some ears, listen, okay? <laughs> Pay attention. Uh, the message Bible says, are you listening to this? I love that. He's like, are you listening to this? I, in fact, I would even say the, the, uh, Eugene Peterson, that's, uh, who, who penned the, the Message Bible. Now, it's, it's a thought-for-thought, thought, very loosely thought-for-thought, paraphrase translation, okay? Um, I never study out of the Message Bible. I only study out of the New King James or the ESV, word-for-word word translations. That's all I ever study out of. Um, but when I read, sometimes I'll read out of the Message, just because it's so clever. But he says this, Are you listening to this? Verses um, 9 and 10. They've made their bed. Now they must lie in it. Anyone marked for prison must or goes straight to prison. Anyone pulling a sword goes down by the sword. Meanwhile, God's holy people passionately and faithfully stand their ground. New Living Translations way of saying that. Anyone who's willing to should hear, uh, to hear should, should listen and understand. People who are destined for prison will be arrested and taken away. This is speaking of the persecution for sure. Like, it's going to happen. Um, so what happens when they come to arrest you and they put the handcuffs on you? Well, go straight to jail, I guess. I mean, you know, like, there you go. It's going to happen. Those who are destined for death will be killed. But do not be dismayed. For here is your opportunity to have endurance and faith. Here is your chance, God's holy people. For the ones who are going to walk through this story, but also for us today, you stand firm. You stand firm. You will not be shaken. You will not be moved. Let them say what they want to say. Let them threaten this or that or whatever it may be. Christians ought to stand firm. If this virus thing has taught us anything, it, is, it seems like the church is on shaky ground. And not talking about, I'm talking about like believers. We get so rattled. And I get it. I understand. I don't like anybody messing with my with, with my schedule. I don't like anybody telling me what I can do and what I can't do, okay? No, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I don't care if you're the governor or not. I don't want, you don't tell me what to do, okay? That's always been Unfortunately, my motto in life, okay, it's got me in a lot of trouble, okay? But Christians stand firm. You stand firm. What does that mean? You stand firm in your relationship with Jesus and in your confidence in who He is and what He has done. But what if they're telling us we can't sing songs? Stand firm. Stand firm. We don't need to be afraid. We don't need to be afraid. And the world doesn't need to see the Christians as being, now listen, I get it, fear is, it's, it's a, an emotion, it's a thing that we all go through and all that stuff, but the world, especially right now, the world is it's just so full of uncertainty, they're looking for like, does anybody have hope? And us Christians should be standing firm saying like, I, I got some hope, like I don't know what's going to happen, and I can understand what these guys are going through, I mean it's saying like, listen, you're going to get arrested, some of you guys are going to be die- you're going to be dying. But even in the midst of that you still have people on this planet who are like but who ha- is there any hope? And that's why Christians must endure. That's why you have to keep following Jesus. That's why you it is always too soon to give up on him. You stand firm and you say I I have hope. And his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. Tell me I can't sing. That's fine. That's fine. Because I know worshiping God is not all about singing songs, but I will sing songs. I will sing songs. I will walk around singing a song in my heart all day long, okay? All day long. You, I will follow the Lord. I will keep my eyes on Him, and I will follow the Lord. I will not be afraid of any person or anything. I will stay focused on Him. And this is what... I mean, I I think really the Lord has dropped this right in the middle of Revelation as an encouragement for for John, for his listeners, but also for us today where the Lord's like, listen, you just stay, just stay standing. Stand firm. Stand firm. Don't give up. Don't give up. Let's look at this last guy. This one kind of goes by pretty quickly here. Uh, The beast of the earth or out of the earth or from under the ground is what the uh, Message Bible says. It says, then I saw another beast. I love these descriptive terms here, the beast. Um, that's actually a term of endearment in my house. So if you ever go to our house and you hear Nellie calling me a beast, that means she loves me.
2: to hope, hope the hopeless
0: Jesus is like a fresh wind blowing through a winterized, closed-up cabin that's musty and devoid of company. He changes everything, eliminating the cobwebs that so easily entangle. And as we learn from the book of Revelation, it will one day be the same with this old, sin-filled world that we live in. Everything will be different, and it's going to be better because that's what Jesus does. Today's message isn't the only one that Pastor James Grizzle has taught. To hear others like this one, make sure you go to breadforthebroken.com for more. You know, Satan wants nothing more than to distract you from spending time in God's Word. The question is, will you disappoint him? Will you continue to seek ways to grow closer to Jesus? We hope that today's message has blessed and inspired you. We can't know what season of life you're in, but we trust that Jesus spoke to your heart today through this message, and we hope that you'll be back for more. Would you like to help spread the good news of Jesus? A donation of any size would help us. We're so thankful for those that would support us financially. Find more information at breadforthebroken.com. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Galveston, Texas. Pastor James Grizzle and everyone here is anxious to meet you. So feel free to come either Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. or Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. We hope to see you soon. We're just a group of people who are laid back and desire to magnify Jesus at all ages be assured there's something here for you too come back again for more on revelation right here on bread for the broken
2: let me paint the picture of you who i love it?